Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as life explorer, author, speaker, senior lecturer, hashtag digital marketing, MMU, Christian, enabling positive digital culture, director at digital F print, KCCO at WW2 poster. <laughs> Trying to fit a lot into 160 characters. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. tough, isn't it? Yeah. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Bex Lewis. Ooh. Bex, hello. Welcome. Morning. <laughs> yes, it is morning for one of us, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Bex, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, as in face-to-face or online or doesn't matter. Sure. <laughs> I mean, online, people have usually either met me face-to-face or connected via part of that bio that you just read out. Uh, when I meet people, I'm just, hi, I'm Bex. Um, people have a habit of calling me Dr. Bex, which I actually quite enjoy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It took me six and a half years to get my PhD. It's quite nice to have it recognised sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm just like, hi, I'm back. So it depends if I work. I'll just say I'm senior lecturer at MMU, um, which is Manchester Metropolitan University in the UK. And uh, if I'm, I run quite a lot of workshops for church groups and charities. And then that's when I'm officially Digital Fingerprint, which is the name of my business. Um, and most radio interviews I get interviewed... Um, get introduced as the MMU and as the author of Raising Children in a Digital Age, which is a book I wrote in 2014, um, encouraging people to see the opportunities for children on the internet. You're a busy lady, Bex. Yeah, uh, my friends, uh, every time I meet new friends, they're like, we're going to get you to slow down. And then after about six months ago, we give up. We don't know how to do it. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I sometimes I feel like I'm slowing down and then I usually find something else interesting I want to do. You know, I'm trying to get my house sorted at the moment. Um, I was just saying I've just been stripping wallpaper for an hour and a half. (laughs) Um, So a little bit steamed up. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah, um, and I just submitted another book to publishers, but um, they don't particularly want me to talk about that till it's official. So uh, until they tell me I can do that, uh, that one's private. (laughs) Um, So there's a book out... There might be a, allegedly a book in the works. You're renovating your house. You've yeah. got three full-time jobs. Sure. <laughs> Welcome to the life of Beck. Yeah. Yeah, just got to, you know, keep calm one day at a time, all of that. <laughs> so, how, how do you find yourself to be in, uh, like, to become an academic and authority in this digital space? Because, to, to be frank, you sound like a lady who's about, you know, 23. Um, <laughs> to... to to be aware and conscious of all this that really in a public social space has only existed for pushing 10-ish, maybe 12 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 
I'm a child of the 70s, so I'm older than I look and older than I sound. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I still remember trying to send my first email when I was temping, which was the kind of orange text on the black background and nice. uh, how terrifying that was and how scary that was. Um, and then uh, when I was doing my PhD, um, it was when people were publishing their first websites where you kind of got, mm. got a word page and pressed publish as web page which is what I did about my PhD and started connecting with people because my PhD was on Second World War propaganda posters and at the time I was doing it there was still quite a lot of people who still remembered the war and were using a lot of them now but um and uh, so I ended up with quite a lot of people talking to me about bits and pieces Um, and then as you usually do when you're doing a PhD you're broke so you look for ways to supplement your income and one of them was building websites but I am not a coder in a million years (laughs) so I just about got my head around Dreamweaver Um, I had six hours of training on that and then from that managed to build quite a lot of websites for people Uh, then I went travelling uh, which showed me the delights of Facebook. I joined Facebook in uh, December 2006. Didn't do anything with it for three months because I had no clue what it was for. Uh, yeah. Then went and worked for a ski company and came back with 60 guests who were all my Facebook friends. Hmm. Some of whom are still on there. Uh, then went travelling, came to uh, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, South America. Uh, blogs my way around there and came back just as Twitter really took off um, and I needed a job so I learned how to use it um, and from there I seem to have picked up lots of little projects which have all involved looking at it and if you think if my PhD was looking at kind of human communication and behaviour and how people find meaning you know, how do you persuade people to go and fight for their country and possibly die for it um, mm. so in a lot of ways I think Twitter's kind of like the new poster that's yep. still my favourite tool um, and people keep saying it's going to die because they can't monetize it but at the moment there's nothing else that does what it does um, so hopefully it'll keep going for a few more years um, <laughs> so yeah it was um, and I've just really enjoyed being able to use the tools to you know communicate with someone well, like you, we're, what do we say we are, 12, 13 hours time difference or something? Yep. And um, we just have to, able to have a chat like you're in the next room or yeah. same room. <laughs> yeah, we are literally on the other side of the world to each other. Yeah, it can be much further apart, can we? Unless we went to each of the poles. Um, so, um, and I, that's basically, I'm, um, I'm a very sociable person. Um, and someone once said, have you ever done the Myers-Briggs, which I know some people hate and some people love. Um, and I come out as an ENFP. Um, and basically mm. that means that you view every person that you meet in there. And for me, that's me online, offline, as a potential friend. Um, and I just want to, I just want to understand more about people. So I just find it quite interesting watching what they're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe I'm just fundamentally nosy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've turned it into a, a bizarre form of Pokemon Go, where you've got to catch them all, Bex. Yeah. <laughs> you still playing that? And my son is. I'm not. 
I am. He loves it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still using it. It's got um, we, um I started um, properly uh, putting it in my to-do list every day. <laughs> and I have to go and, <laughs> I have to go, and uh, go to the Pokestop and catch at least one Pokemon to keep my streak going. Um, so, and it's... Um, I used to, when I used to write, I used to never leave the house. And by the yeah. end of the day, it felt pretty awful. Um, yeah. So, for the last three four months it's got me out of the house every day even if it's only half a kilometer which is the nearest poker stop <laughs> <laughs> so what happens when you catch them all oh i still haven't caught them all i'm not that serious a gamer that's the trouble <laughs> i get excited when i find a new one and at the moment it's a little bit kind of like uh, i did manage to evolve one the other day um yeah, yeah um as the diglet became the dig trio or something um and i've just walked i walked 115 kilometers to um, evolve a child wizard so um, <laughs> I, I, i'm just uh i think i find it really good actually next door neighbor their grandson comes around he's more interested in the playing cards than the game actually and we have a mm. chat about it, and they always ask me which pokemon i've caught and stuff like that um but my nieces are into it as well so able to send pictures on kind of whatsapp of the latest one i found um yep. and it's uh, half the time i've not had anything that i've really known what to talk to them about so pokemon's a really easy conversation starter it's a great in isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so um yeah i'm not sure if you catching people as a thing um <laughs> kind of float in and out of people's lives i think sometimes um there's a few you know people who've been in there for a long time um, but yeah, I just find life fairly exciting, and there's always new stuff to go out and explore. Um, yeah, I'm not good at being bored. <laughs> <laughs> How did you? When, when was the first moment that you realised that people wanted to hear from you as an authority on digital culture? Um, I guess that started to happen. I mean, I. I went for a job in 2009 as the uh, as a webmaster for a university, and in the interview realised I really didn't want to do that because not, it's not the web, it's the social stuff. Yeah. Um, and out of that interview, they created me a job um, to look at um, encouraging staff to use more e-learning technology. Um, and from that, I started showing people and started training people in how to use tech. Um, yes. I probably did a few small talks for churches and things like that. Um, and I went to an event in was it 2009 as well at Durham University, um, who I ended up working for uh, the Kodak Research Centre, which is it was the Centre for Christian Communication and Digital Age. It's now Centre for Digital Theology. Um, uh, and ended up talking on Twitter with the guy running it, and he ended up as my boss. Um, so, um, and one of the things that was said was that he could tell from my Twitter that the stuff I said I was interested in, I genuinely was because I was talking about it all the time and you can't fake that kind of thing. Um, and I was also, yes, I was doing a mix of talks for the church being and head office. I'm not quite sure how they picked up on me, but I ended up doing a whole load of courses for them. I've done United Reformed Church head office and done a 
must have done a Baptist church at some point um, got asked to write some stuff for the Methodist church and that was all in 2010 was when I really started to get to um, talk about churches and the internet um, and then at one of the talks Ali, my editor um, for Raising Children in the Digital Age uh, said well you write a book about children and the internet and I said well I teach over 18s and I don't have any kids so I'm not sure I can do that um, and we were talking about it and saying one thing I do know how to do is research and um, talked to another friend with four kids and said you should be doing it and he said no because I'll tell everyone how I do it with my kids whereas you can talk to lots of people and tell everyone how to do it give them options um, mm. and so by 2014 that was published um, just before Internet Safety Day um, and they had a, a Rhoda, my PR for that was really good and she got me on um, Steve Wright in the afternoon who's a big show yes. on Radio uh, Radio 2 um, as a big guest for 10 minutes and that's helped and I'd done a lot of smaller shows with Premier Radio it's a Christian radio station in London yep. who I'd been working with doing some codec stuff and they would given me a chance to do quite a lot of smaller interviews, uh, which had kind of built up my expertise and also meant I had some recordings to be able to send to yeah. you know, the big BBC show. Um, and it's it's just, you know, half the time I just blink and think, oh, yeah, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> How did this end up happening? You know, I'm doing a radio interview tomorrow with the Radio 5 about Snapchat, Snapchat streaks. Uh, I don't even use Snapchat really. I play with it occasionally, um, but something else to go and have a look at, isn't it? <laughs> Try and explain yeah. to people. Um, it's been fascinating. I've never had a Snapchat streak in my life, and all my Facebook friends were like, "Oh, streaking meant something a bit different when I was growing up." But <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I genuinely, I think we spend a lot of time. Look at kids thinking, oh, why are they doing that? You know, that's disgraceful. We were never like that. And it's like, if you actually look at what you did when you were growing up, you did some weird stuff um, that adults didn't understand. Um, and, you know, Snapchat is just another kind of form of peer, of, um, peer pressure, really, isn't it? Got to keep yep. yourself, got to keep yourself every day talking to each other. Um, but I talked to one of my nephews and he said, it's just fun. So, um, you know, um, but yes, I'll be talking to someone tomorrow who's a, a doesn't, um, who wants Snapchat to get rid of the streak feature because he thinks his daughter's addicted to it and it's unhealthy. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, there's lots I could, lots because one of my interests is who's responsible for what, how much do we say parents are responsible, yep. how much are, the rest of the world responsible how much are teachers how much are software companies how much is the government and legislation I find all of that kind of fascinating we can't dump it all on the parents um, but sometimes they can't get all the schools to do it either <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's a know. brave new world isn't it because the you know the, these apps will land on our you know young people's phones and, and tablets and all of the rest of it yeah. and 
it happens really quick. Yeah. With, uh, you know, is when it, you know, this thing happens and everyone goes, hey, get onto this new flibber. And everyone's on flibber all of a sudden. And yeah. no one, from a parent point of view, understands the implication of that. There's no course that you can go to that says, this is flibber, this is how it works, this is the information it's capturing about your young people, this is what it's sharing, this is what, like, there's none of that, is there? It just happens. Yeah, I mean, I guess you've got stuff, I don't know if mum's net is global, I can't remember, um, but it's a massive thing in the UK where kind of mums and hopefully some dads talk to each other. But yeah, there's sort of no system. Um, I talk to the NSPCC sometimes, so, um, who's a children's charity, particularly trying to stop children being abused and that kind of thing, and works a lot with bullying. And um, yes. and so they, they are trying to get on top of kind of getting material out. And one of the interesting things that was done was um, Vodafone um, decided that they were going to fund um, a magazine called Digital Parenting, um, which they work with a, another company and try and tell parents. They produce it like once a year, trying to show parents what's the hot thing. Uh, but the thing is, a year's a long time yeah. in digital. Yes. Um, and one of the things I tend to encourage people to do is talk to their kids so that when their kids have got a new thing, they can hopefully just talk about it like it's a normal thing. Um, yeah. Because it's, you know, it's just that, that the trouble is there's a lot of assumption that it's negative. Um, and you know, if I, I grew up without a TV because we had a whole thing about TV being bad for you and all this kind of thing, we've all got them, we've all got them now. Um, but um, I think there's there's some of that, and it's like oh, it's dangerous. Let's just cut it off. Whereas at, um, you know, when I was growing up, I used to read, and I I would turn up the dinner table, and my mum would like put that book down. Whereas now everyone would be like, my child's addicted to their phone because they won't put it down. But they've probably never have said that about me and my book. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of. I think we spend a lot of time looking at the negatives of what happens online, and you know, I'm not a anything goes as long as it's digital kind of person. I want to look for yeah. problems and. But I think the media does a pretty good job of spending all its time looking at the negative stuff and actually <laughs> yes, it does. look at some of the, the possibilities. You know, even things like bullying, you know, people say it's worse with the online because you can't get away from it. But you can also have a whole load of evidence that you wouldn't have had in the past. Um, yep. And if we can train kids to look out for stuff, then you can have friends come in and say, hey, this is not okay. Um, and support each other so it's that whole everything that's a negative if you look hard enough there's normally a positive Um, but we're so busy panicking about the negatives that we're not really looking at what's really happening Um, so and it's you know I've done a lot of that with churches as well it's the assumption for churches is that um, when I first started working with churches which is what seven years ago I was like, what's that weird new thing? No, we don't need that. Pew sheets and, you know, all of that is fine. Um, and then probably about two years into it, after we'd talked quite a lot in various magazines, people started to say, OK, I can see we need it, but we're really not sure how to do it. Um, mm. So, um, and that's... And I found it quite interesting, actually. I've run a few workshops for youth groups, as in the leaders of youth groups and nearly always the people who get turned up for that are the retired people who've got the yeah. time to spend um the younger ones all think they know it all already which is quite interesting um whereas half the time i just want people to think talk 
um, and just kind of be open to the opportunities of the you know the world's biggest communication platforms. Um, I quite often say, you know, I've got a ten about ten and a half thousand Twitter followers or something, and so I'm like, you know, that's slightly bigger audience than most churches, at least in the UK, <laughs> um, and you know that that could be. I guess it's um, one of the things we say is your Twitter feed might be the only Jesus that anyone ever sees. Um, so yeah. what does that look like to people? You know, is it a positive representation? Is it a bit Trump-like? Please no. Um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so when all those guys come on and go, yeah, I'm a Christian. This is really important. You're like, oh. at the best of time Bex when you pop your head up and say I'm a Christian on the internet that that can make it tough as well or even more so can't it yeah yeah and it is another space you kind of have to think about and you have to be prepared for the response um, and that's you know I've worked with some youth groups um, or younger people and they're like I'm not sure I want to even say that I've gone to church um, because I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get um, and some of that is encouraging other people to talk about it normally um, not make a you know, not necessarily make a big deal of it just I went to church, I went swimming Yeah, uh, that can be a gentle way of doing it um, but I think it's an important part to have in my Twitter bio I haven't put it first because so I think other people will look at that and think oh Christian you know Bible basher don't want to talk to them um, so it's an important part of my identity but it's kind of right in the middle of my Twitter bio rather than anywhere else um, yep. and I, I do think we have to think I know one of the things I was passionate about when first started working with kind of churches and Christians online was um, the fact that pretty much all you could find was stuff like Westboro Baptists and people at those kind of ends of the Christian spectrum who were very good at using stuff online but um, didn't have the message I really wanted people to see Um, (laughs) what I wanted was to kind of enable everyday people to feel like that it could be just part of 
part of that and what I tend to say to people is if you're going to share something, if you can do it within a kind of personalised context that works in a kind of relational setting of social media um, yep. so rather than randomly spewing out Bible verses just because you version has picked it as verse of the day um, you know, think, why would I want to share this? Why does this mean anything to me? Because otherwise people go, oh, they've done their God spot, now I can go back and have a look at other stuff. Um, and I think it's that bigger picture, isn't it? Is Are you standing up for stuff like social justice and homelessness and all of those things? So what do your concerns seem to be? Uh, and how much of that? It's that whole balance, isn't it, between relevance and falling down a... Yeah, going too traditional and being irrelevant or being so relevant that you've lost your kind of distinctiveness um, yeah. um, but it is being prepared for the fact that you know people can absolutely um, they don't really care who you are if they want to have a go at a Christian they want to have a go at a Christian um, but on the other hand yeah. part of the reason that I'm in my current job is um, I met the guy at a conference and then we stayed in touch on Twitter and then Facebook uh, he's a complete atheist and we had the odd joke about it about why on earth would he have wanted to recruit me <laughs> um, and he always says Christian church you know I'm in a business school and he says that the Christian church has managed to keep itself in business for at least 2,000 years so it must be doing something right so you can come and teach marketing um, <laughs> he's kind of like we don't have anyone who's interested in the you know third charitable type sector so he said you know you can keep that as your specialist interest um, you know I still have to teach people how to sell shoes and stuff but um, yeah. <laughs> you know there's a part of it is um, they're actually quite keen at the university on um, ethical marketing and things like that so it's been quite interesting getting involved in that and um, trying to encourage the students that you know we gave them a couple of big news stories and said how would you deal with this if you were kind of digital PR and they're like well, I'd try and shove it under the carpet and you're like eh, wrong answer um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not really possible as uh, yeah I don't know how time bound this is but I mean the whole United Airlines thing over the last few day, days has shown yep. that you can't really shove anything under the carpet can you uh, you no. just gotta <laughs> you gotta work out how do you do a kind of genuine response to stuff and I know that's one of the big worries that people have about online is it's all posturing and what they call it, virtue signaling and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it is very possible, but I think we've always done that. So, yeah, when we when we go out, uh, well, today I didn't worry, I went out in my painty clothes, but I was only walking up <laughs> the corner. But normally, you know, if I'm going to teach, if I'm going to talk at a conference, I'll have picked some clothes that look smart. I haven't gone in my pyjamas. And it's yep. kind of online, it's a kind of digital version of that I think um, I think some people take it too far I think a lot of the stuff with young kids is the same pressures before you know how, how long can you make your eyelashes um, you know all of that kind of thing and actually it's, it's possible to uh, humorise some of that enough to kind of bring a human layer back and just because my head's gone into that sort of makeup mode I know there's people who do like YouTube videos with a hundred layers of foundation and a and hundred layers of lipstick <laughs> I don't know why anyone thinks they'd want to do that but people watch them and people laugh at them and it's kind of like um, yeah a lot of it's popular culture can help reshape what people think can't it yeah absolutely <laughs> so, 
And it's just it's a, a part of my thing. It's just we just got to get involved in the world, and social is social media is a big part of that. Um, I quite often use it to end up, you know, hoping to meet people face to face. But there's people like you, never met you face to face. Um, but we've got the opportunity to chat. Um, there's other people I see. I think I think uh, I don't know if you find this use platforms different ways for different yep. people. So uh, there's someone that I work with. I'm on leave. She FaceTimed me this afternoon just to have a chat because she hasn't seen me since last week. Um, you know, I went I went out with a friend last night and was kind of face um, book messaging her all the way home. Um, partly for a safety reason, but partly because we'd had a nice evening and we were just carrying on the chat. Um, yeah. And then there's other people that will just be around them, you know, that might only talk to them on their birthday when Facebook reminds me. Um, and sometimes I might get involved in something that someone I haven't spoken to for five years who happens to still be in my Facebook link. They spot it and, you know, you end up starting a new conversation and I like that possibility of a kind of randomness. Um yeah, it's all a bit boring when everything's rigidly in a row. Um, and I like being invited to speak at weird events. Like uh, I did, uh, I did one on the digital revolution last year when we were talking futurism, which is not yeah. necessarily my specialist area, but I like having a read. And I love watching like dystopian and utopian films, although mostly dystopian. Um, now, have you had Black Mirror? Over yes, industry. love it, love yeah. Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, so I've managed to use that for teaching a few times, especially the one where the guy dies and comes back as a kind of animated doll, and then she realises yes. what he puts on his social media is not the whole of him, and it's not the same as having him back. Um, and I just love all of those that just make you think, don't they, about what the possibilities are. And um, we're trying to think. There's a there's a term that. Um, is called um, technological determinism, which is the idea that computers force us to do everything. And quite a lot of time people are like, oh, well, the computer makes me do this, the computer makes me do this. But did it really? You press the button, you're yeah. the one who, you know, has decided that it's really important that you respond within 30 seconds. And so a lot of that is actually a cultural pressure, all this stuff for, you know, this thing about Snapchat streaks. Um, a lot of that is a cultural pressure from other kids and then we need to deal with that in kind of conversation Um, the technology can do its bit so one of the things I think Snapchat could do is have a kind of two week break and still maintain all your all your streaks Um, I think that would take quite a lot of pressure off people because apparently people um, hire streak sitters um, to make sure they don't lose their streaks so when they go oh, on day to somewhere with no signal they give someone else a login and say can you just keep my streak going please um, <laughs> so Gosh. you're just like that is a lot of pressure um, but I don't know it's going to be a certain group isn't it it's going to be the same as when you're at school you were in the geeky lot and the nerdy lot or were you in the cool lot or the I was in the bookie studious type group um, so uh, I just uh, yeah <laughs> it's just looking at the pressures isn't it and saying can we take some of them off can we, yeah. can we say it's not that important can we say actually it's really important um, you know we talk about young people don't we as if being, being really flaky and never managing to keep anything and I'm like well some of them have got two year streaks I think that's quite yes. commitment <laughs> 
So, That's uh, right. They've got relationships with their social media accounts that have outlasted some people's actual human relationships. Yeah, and it is remembering that there's people at the other end of those. Um, yes. So although you might be talking through a computer and that might change what's possible, and I try and say that for both people trying to say, you know, the kids are not just doing random stuff, and also to anyone who's thinking about how they deal with cyberbullying. Um, so, because there was a, not suicide bullying, but about the old oh, kids spend all their time on phones. There was a picture um, in a British newspaper a couple of years ago um, of kids sat in a museum in front of a really famous painting. And they yes. were all looking at their phones and everyone was like, oh, this is disgraceful. Uh, and it was like they were looking up information about the painting. Yeah. How is that disgraceful? Uh, you know, at least one right. of them was was putting about seventeen hashtags on a photo for Instagram of that picture. Yeah, <laughs> right. but it's a, you know it, a modern form of engagement, isn't it? You might not agree, yeah. with it, but um, and I'm like, well, it, you know, I'm quite. There's um, a university in London, London School of Economics, and they're doing a lot of work directly with children. They interviewed twenty five thousand in. 2010 and they're sort of having ongoing conversations I think that's what we need to find out what the kids are getting out of it why are they doing it um, rather than going oh that's disgraceful we didn't do that and go it's nearly as good as aren't the policemen looking young these days um, hmm. <laughs> um, it's just you know don't assume that it's negative ask people what they're doing and then if there's a problem have a look and actually they've got lots of opportunities and um, one of my students a couple of years ago she used to be a social media consultant and um, is now a vicar and she did her dissertation on um, on looking at um, evangelism online um, yes. and one of her big things was that once you've built a relationship with people and they can see that you're I was going to say normal, no one's normal, but you know what I mean. They're, they're someone that they want to engage with and they see that Christianity is a kind of normal part of your life. They possibly start to ask you questions or if they've had some kind of trauma, you'll quite yeah. often be the first person that they'll turn to, um, but usually via direct message, so it's not the public spaces they're using. Um, and there's, um, they're kind of prepared to ask questions more because they know who you are, they think they know what you stand for, uh, they're not trapped in a corner with you who won't let them go until they say, I want Jesus. Um, you know, they, they kind of, they can have a conversation on their own terms and if they want to drop out, they can drop out and they can think about their response. So, um, so she found that was actually quite a powerful thing. Um, and, um, you know, there's, a, there's lots of opportunities half of which I probably don't even know what they are. It's one of the things I quite like to be able to get some funding to go around do a whole load of interviews with churches and people in churches and find out you know, what have they used stuff for, what have they tried, what's worked and yeah. what's not worked I'm a big fan of embracing the culture of failure. It's really hard with my students because they just want to know what's in the assignment <laughs> <laughs> How do I sell the shoes bags? Yeah, yeah. it's just like is this in the assignment? If not, can I go home? <sighs> so um, yeah, so yeah, I've thrown a bit. I re I reshaped. Um, so I've been in my job, my current job, just come to the end of end of my second year of teaching. Um, get all the next set of essays in in two weeks. Hooray! Two hundred essays to mark. Um, Gosh. 
Yeah. Um, but I changed one um, from having stuff um, where we had a lecture and then sort of mini exercises to they have to just come in for three hours every week and work as if they're in an agency. Um, and the idea is that they have a live project, which means there's no right answer because it depends what the project needs. And some sure. of them are really taken to it, and some of them are like, what's the point in doing the project? Don't get marked for the project. But, well, you get marked on your response to the project. So if you don't do the project and if you don't do pro- problem solving, you're not going to get a very good mark. Um, nice. So it be interesting to see what comes in. Some of the Christmas ones, um, we got one set of essays in at Christmas, and then this other lot there now. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if they've responded to that. Um, but that's uh, I'm planning next year's. So we think we think the course has worked, but there's a lot of things we could do to improve it. So that's yeah. uh, tomorrow. My colleagues yeah. coming round. I'm supposed to be on leave, but I'll just take that day back another day. Um, and then we're going to have a post-it note sharpie, yeah, kind of day. Um, nice. And we're just like, actually, if we've got that sorted while it's still fresh in our mind, that's all the teaching sort of semi-prepared for next year. That's worth a million lions, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Much as I love sleep, it's one of my favourite <laughs> hobbies. <laughs> so, yeah, I fell asleep today. Have you had um, broad church? Um, yes. Uh, yes, I've never We're got... just tapering through season three now. We're nearly there. Uh, yeah, I've, I mean, I've never seen one and two, and then everyone said three's pretty standalone, so I went and had a look today, and I've missed the first two episodes, but I'm up to episode seven, so I don't know how many there are. Um, but Ten. Yeah, okay, so three more. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was like, yeah, I'm awake, and then I fell asleep uh, for about three hours this afternoon, so <laughs> I do stop sometimes. <laughs> I want to absolutely encourage you, Bex, to find a way to watch uh, definitely season one of okay. Broadchurch. Uh, okay. there, there will be some indications in season three of some of what went on. Okay. But as a, uh, a detective kind of, you know, what went on in this little English seaside town uh, and the relationships, that it, it is incredible television. Okay. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, you know, and you're just like, oh, I've got this to do and this to do. Oh, just catch up with the water cooler TV. Um, yeah, just add it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I've, Black Mirror finally persuaded me to get Netflix, which I've been resisting for ages. And I was like, I'll get the free month and then I'll see. Yes. And uh, four or five months later, I'm still on it. <laughs> Have you done Stranger Things yet? No, do you know what? I've watched one episode of that, but I think I yes. was slightly overtired, and I was like, I need to come back and watch this when I've got do a bit it, do more. Do it, do it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> and Sit down with a coffee or your favourite caffeinated beverage, yeah. watch the first episode, and I dare you to not press play on the second straight away. <laughs> oh, I did that with the 24. How many seasons of that is there? I watched all oh, of them. 100 million. Yeah watched all of those um, that's why I got Amazon so I could watch all of those and then uh, I got Netflix so I could watch Black Mirror and The Crown <laughs> and then I've watched lots of other things and someone, uh, my friend today said to go watch 13 Ways to something or other uh, 13 Reasons? 13 yeah. Reasons Why? yeah so she said she binged watch that in an entire day so uh, yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, well, this is a great topic for this question then, Bex. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Oh, I'm so achievement motivated. Sometimes stopping <laughs> is a big achievement. Um, so I'm kind of like, I would like to move into my master's bedroom. <laughs> uh, that would be a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, um, for work, I definitely have to publish at least one journal article, possibly two. So I've got one half written and I started in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked it back up last year and I've done a bit of work and then I got this book deal. Um, so uh, that went to one side for a bit, but that's coming back up. This uh, new social network called Facebook will never last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did it. Because when people still say that, I'm like, it's been around for, what is it, 2004, so 13 yeah. years, which in social media terms. I still Forever. I mean, yeah. I mean, I still remember, uh, I used to, when I lived in Manchester last time, 2005, um, my housemate was a producer on Breakfast, Breakfast Radio, and it was, uh, you know, young people's proper music radio um you see come back you have to go on this thing called myspace it's amazing um, <laughs> <laughs> um and we're playing with bebo and all of those things um she also made me uh, um what's it the i'm a celebrity get me out of here she was doing a program on that and made us eat some yes. weird creatures um <laughs> so um but yeah, um, it kind of all went from there. And then uh, my friend that I was out for dinner with last night, she's the one that put me on Facebook. And I was like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> um, and Twitter took me three months to get my head around. Um, I just felt like I was kind of firing off random messages into into space. Um, and then um, I went for a job interview and because I didn't have another job I could be really public about it and I got all the information from my interview from Twitter um, because people could tell me all the latest things um, sure so yeah I have lots of things I'm planning I did I did have another book deal in the works but the publisher's um, struggling a bit at the moment so uh, that's gone on the back burner which is probably good because um, it means I can breathe for a bit. Um, so I wanted to write um, a, a being a Christian online type book. Uh, I still think there's potential for that. Um, but for work, I have to write some journal articles that about three people will read. Um, so <laughs> I have to find space for both. Um, but yeah, house, friends, settle properly into church. I've been I've been up here for over a year, and I've kind of semi-settled in a church but it's six miles away and I quite I know that's nothing in Australia um, <laughs> but for me there's one that's you know, three minutes walk away um, but it's not the right flavour I hear you. <laughs> so, oh, my, my family and I drive past, I think we counted the other day, we drive past about 13 churches <laughs> to get to the church that we go to every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes just finding the right place, isn't it? I, I get stressed yep. about being a consumer, um, but, um, you know, it feels like the right place at the moment. Um, my cousin's just moved to Manchester, um, so she wants to do some church hunting, so I might go back round with her. Um, see what happens um, so yeah housework friends church that's pretty much my life I think um, have you seen that um, video you probably would have Bex on Facebook um, the church hunters oh, series yes. that's popped up <laughs> yeah very good isn't it <laughs> yeah 
just that I giggled and shared. Um, because I mean, it's I sometimes think it's not as bad as it was very kind of Americanized, wasn't it? But actually, you think, yeah, yeah you can see that on a, a smaller scale. Um, and that, the trouble is, I look at that and think, oh my goodness, am I being like that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, modern Christendom is in a very weird place right now. Yeah, a lot of people not quite sure to do as part of it, yeah. so um. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, because it's one of the things I say about social is, you know, we've kind of moved from... um, There's an opportunity to move from sitting in rows, which we've done for, what, I don't know, 200-odd years, but not forever. As a historian, I'm quite interested in what's called the invention of tradition. When do things really start? Do we really always do them? Um, And actually, look, is there kind of new shapes? Does social give us a chance for 24-7 church how much more pressure does that put on the minister and oh how much has it got the potential to take off how does it help us in kind of support for pastoral issues where does it put extra pressure on interesting all that kind of stuff is actually how can we live sort of healthy but um, i think my facebook religion says i want to live life to the full and just has that bible verse on there rather than saying specifically i'm a christian um yeah and that's kind of what i want for people is actually how how do we make the most of life you know we're here for a reason we get one shot at it as far as I'm concerned um, and how do you make sure that's not a pressure to feel like you're doing the right yeah. thing and uh, how does it become a kind of freeing actually there's something I'm here for um, that's uh, I was <laughs> I was with some friends on Monday uh, he's a minister, and we were we were talking about the habit that Christians have of pushing and pulling at doors. Um, <laughs> Adrian Plass, I remember in one of his books, was talking about Christians, those people who just spend their whole time having doors slammed in their faces and uh, pushing and pulling and seeming <laughs> So um, it is a thing, though, isn't it? You know, and it's it's kind of not holding on to anything too tightly. She says, having bought a house. Um, but I did yeah. that before I sold it I moved <laughs> so um, and it's trying to yeah it's trying to think of the right thing isn't it um, I mean mm. this this is the first job that I've had that is not on a short term contract so all my other jobs have been funding dependent which this in some ways still will be but digital marketing is an expanding field as more and more people want to do it um, we actually desperately trying to recruit new staff so um, it's actually been quite nice to have enough space and not need to look for another job which is a full time job in itself and actually just start to you know etch out my little expert area even more so uh, yeah start putting some full wellied research behind it um, which is going to be fun (laughs) there are always more shoes to sell bags yes (laughs) <laughs> or Always. church shoes <laughs> to be yes. um, yeah. hey Bex thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today please know the things that you said are very special and you're highly valued thank you oh thank you <laughs> and thank you for inviting me 
been fun. It's been lovely to speak with you. I look forward to the chance to do it again and again. Yeah. Um, if, if people are wanting to engage with you or find you in an internet fashion, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I'm on most platforms and my username, wherever possible, is Dr. Bexl. So D R B E X L. Uh, I'm really easy to find. Or if you Google Bex Lewis, um, obviously it's difficult to tell because when I look on Google it shows me all the things that I've produced um, but I'm pretty certain that when I've been on other people's computers and they put Bex Lewis in I come up top if you put the words MMU at the end it's definitely me at the top because that's my work page um, nice yeah <laughs> so um, yeah also needs updating which is the joy of digital too many spaces to update sometimes <laughs> don't even start me too many, too many digital spaces. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think they've collapsed into big ones that we use a lot on. So, different platforms, different purposes. So, yeah. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Dr. Bex L is indeed human. <laughs> I certainly am.